Welcome to another episode of Health Creators. This is Liv, and I'm joined here today by Simon Sakai, founder and CEO of Young. So, Simon, can you give us an elevator pitch of what Young does? Sure. Um, well, we take the latest advancements and understanding of longevity science, which is to say what you can do to stop or slow your biological aging, and we turn them into products that make it really simple and actionable for people to incorporate longevity in their daily lives. Can, can you give us an example of what these products are? Sure. Um, so there's, um, there's two ways I can answer this question. Mm -hmm. One, I could tell you what our products are. Or two, I could tell you how longevity works. Which do you prefer? Should, but, we, and then, should we start with longevity? How longevity works? Um, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a good idea because um, I think longevity is this word that's being thrown around mm. a lot. And there's a lot of misperception of what it means and what it's not. So essentially, um, longevity is not anti-aging. Yeah. Um, Anti-aging is a term that people understand as something that's cosmetic and about appearance, yeah. whereas longevity is really concerned about the aging process and stopping and slowing the aging process. Mm -hmm. Now the thinking here is that if you slow down aging, you prevent age-related diseases, which are pretty much all of the worst chronic diseases, cancer, yeah. diabetes, Alzheimer's, etc. So um, aging is complex, and because aging is complex, uh, there's no silver bullet cure for aging on the horizon. Mm -hmm. um, there may be one someday, it's doubtful, but because aging takes place in all of these different aspects of your body um, through something called the hallmarks of aging, there's 12 of them that we know of, um, you, you, in order to stop or slow down the aging process, you need to take a portfolio approach. So if, yeah. you, if you take a step back and look at where longevity medicine is today, what we talk about when we talk about longevity medicine is we talk about looking at all of the different aspects inside your body that drive the aging process and then targeting them one by one and collectively. Yeah. So with that in mind, um, for someone to meaningfully target longevity, it's not about a silver bullet solution. There's no such thing. Mm -hmm. um, you really need to have a portfolio holistic approach to make sure that you're targeting all of these different aspects that are taking place in your body to stop or slow the aging process. Now, because longevity medicine is so new and mm. because it's so limited, there are very few people that are actually trained in this. So you may or may not have heard of something called a longevity clinician. Yeah. Um, a longevity clinician is an individual who specializes in longevity medicine and we'll take a holistic view of the individual and say, how can we create a portfolio of interventions that um, help this person slow the aging process? Mm. Now, the problem with that, although it's a great approach, is that it requires a lot of time, it requires a lot of cost, it's very bespoke, um, there are huge barriers. So um, what we've done, essentially, is we've created a product ecosystem, essentially, of supplements that target lifestyle modifications, mm -hmm. where people can create a longevity re regimen very easily without the need to consult with a physician that would actionably improve their biological age. Um, so in short, we've created a product ecosystem that will target all of these aspects of, of yeah. aging. Um, you know, 
in a way that, to, you know, within the limitations of what we know in the science today, and we made that available super easily, very accessibly to the public. Uh, there's two things I want to pull out of that. So aging differs between people, mm -hmm. right? So is there a precision component of your platform that allows for people to input, say, their genotype, uh, DNA, and th does that then pull out like a set of products for them based off of them? It's a great question, um, and you know, precision personalization is definitely the future, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of excitement around it, and I'm very excited about it. Um, I think the truth is is that a lot of what we are able to infer based on what we know is very limited. The mm. science is very limited around being able to say, because you're this, you need to do that. I mean, on a high level, it's possible. Yeah. Um, but without really extensive screening and really extensive testing, um, for a mass market, it would be hard to create the type of things that a lot of companies out there are starting to offer. So yeah. uh, we've chosen not to. Um, for all of those reasons. One, we don't feel like the science is there, quite there for us to be super confident about that. Um, two, especially as you start getting into different types of testing, what that does is that increases the cost and testing is yeah. super expensive right now. Um, it'll go down in the future, especially as we find you know new technologies. Um, for me, as soon as you talk about increasing costs, you talk about barriers. Mm. Um, and I'm, I'm really not interested in creating more barriers for the public to yeah. engage with their health. Uh, you know, the more that we launch products that, that are quote unquote amazing and you have to try, but then have a huge price tag mm. on them, the more you're, you're removing access to other things that are available that can have a meaningful impact in their lives, but don't cost as much. I, I like that because I think longevity is still currently a very much inaccessible uh, field. We see CEOs like this Brian Johnson right. guy who's you know very much into longevity, but not everyone can spend millions. Yeah, uh, Brian Johnson's a really interesting case study. Um, he is a fantastic visionary. Uh, mm -hmm. He has incredible passion, um, and he has is now becoming the face of longevity to a certain extent. Yeah. However, um, you know, there's a lot of privilege associated with with what he's able to do. Yeah. I mean, you and I before the podcast started talking about having a dog. You know, <laughs> like. Yeah. I don't have a personal assistant that can walk my dog. Um, mm. I don't have a team of people that can look after my kids. I've got a job, I've got things to do. And most people are in the same boat. Um, so I think when we're, and not to take away from what Brian Johnson is doing, because mm. I don't think Brian Johnson is trying to say that everyone can be like me. But I think when you have stuff like that out there, where you have people with incredible privilege saying, hey, look at what I can achieve with my longevity. What we're missing is the fact that actually your accessibility and theirs is very different. And mm. it's not just Brian Johnson. You know, there's this whole um, uh, trend around 
uh, aging gracefully and yeah. ageism, which is really fascinating. And over the past couple of years, you've seen a lot of age diversity in magazines where um, you'll have older celebrities being pictured saying how glorious it is to be so and so old. But I think that's completely mm. absurd because those people age well because they have a team of doctors yeah. and the best care in the world. I mean, even just basic having health insurance, right? They have mm. access to that stuff. So, you know, looking at people like them and saying, oh, it's so great to age and, ah, oh, you know, they're aging gracefully. Well, no, they're, they're aging richfully. Mm. Um, and, and the truth is, is that everyone else um, can't do that. They have, they, have, they have work. They've got, they don't have the money. Um, you know, I, I like to compare it to having a six-pack. Mm. Um, like, we know what it takes for someone to have a six-pack of abs. There's no, there's no question, there's no secret about what you need to do in order to have a six-pack, right? Yeah. There's a reason that most people don't have one, right? It's because it, it requires an inordinate amount of work that, you know, for the most part, many people aren't able to implement. Um, so I think like if you're if you're looking at healthcare, especially as, as someone thinking about how can I change a healthcare system, how can mm. I think about people, how can I make products that will actually change lives, you can't live in some ivory tower yeah. and, or in a lab somewhere and say, I'm going to create this incredible technology. You need to you need to come down on the level of what the average consumer looks like and say what's their life what are they reasonably able to do and mm. how can we create products that they are likely to actually use because if they're not using them what what's the point yeah that makes sense so you mentioned a product ecosystem mm -hmm. uh, does that mean you kind of provide products made by other people too or and is it an ecosystem of products that you've made yourself? How does that work? We've made them ourselves. Um, mm -hmm. So the, the way our product ecosystem works is we have a master formula. Um, and actually, before I talk about our product ecosystem, I should just talk about supplements uh, yeah. and the role of supplements and longevity. Yeah. It's actually an interesting one because when people, and I think in the past when people talked mm -hmm. about supplements, uh, there was an air of suspicion around it. They're like, mm. oh, do supplements work? What do they actually do? But when you look at longevity, or specifically when you look at human optimization, mm. when you ask yourself, how can we optimize rather than treat, supplements play a very important role. Um, and we can see this in the literature. We can see that when you use certain compounds, you are, you, are, you are playing with an area of health that's not about solving a traditional problem, um, but optimizing to be, in the yeah. case of longevity, natural decline. Um, so uh, to bring it back to our product ecosystem, um, along with the, the discovery of, let's say, the hallmarks of aging, the actual drivers of aging, uh, we've also, uh, in tandem, found molecules and ingredients and compounds that target each of those hallmarks. This is mm. new information. This is really breakthrough stuff and very exciting. Um, the question is, how do you actually use these different molecules? Um, and there's, there's, you know, for a lot of people, a, a, a big question mark around that. So we've tried to solve for that. The, what we've done is um, we've 
taken the, this new class mm. of ingredients and created a product ecosystem that fits into people's lives and targets lifestyle modifications. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason that's important is because when you're looking at longevity and when you're looking at human optimization, uh, for the most part, if you're just taking a pill, there's going to be a limited effect. The science just isn't there yet. Whereas if you make actual modifications in your lifestyle, Mm. then you can have much better results. Um, and, you know, the lifestyle modifications are very clear, and that's intermittent fasting and caloric restriction, Love sleep it. optimization, mm -hmm. blood sugar stabilization, yeah. exercise, and actually, to a certain extent, skin. Uh, skin is actually a behavioral modification, which I'm, I'm happy to get into. Yeah, so, tell me about skin. Oh, skin. Uh, so skin is a really interesting organ people usually think of it as something that's purely cosmetic mm. um, and yes it's cosmetic and it's important and looking good is important for longevity because it makes you happier there's no shame in that mm. um, skin plays a very important role not just as a barrier organ but also in hormone signaling and lots of other processes but one of the things that um, doesn't really get talked about a lot is that because skin is your largest organ it's also the largest producer of something called zombie cells, senescent cells. Um, so senescent cells are cells that refuse to die. Um, normally, cells go through this thing called apoptosis, mm -hmm. which is cell suicide. When they replicate, re replicate and have damage beyond repair, they sort of eliminate yeah. themselves. Um, some of them go funny and they decide not to die they become zombie cells and they increase all of these terrible toxins. Mm. They accelerate many other hallmarks of aging. Cellular senescence is, is one of the hallmarks of aging. So um, when it comes to skin and skin being such a, a large organ that's also on the front line of the rest mm. of your body, um, being on the front line, it receives a lot of damage. Because it receives a lot of damage and it's so big, it's the largest site of cellular senescent production. Yeah. And the problem with that is that cellular senescent cells don't just stay in your skin. They go into your bloodstream. So they migrate. They migrate. Mm. They go to the rest of your body, your brain, your liver, your heart, everything. So, you know, healthy skin will lit literally keep your organs younger. Uh, and I'm talking biologically healthier skin. Um, mm. Biologically older skin will actually age the rest of your body. Um, so that's why we consider it, but you have to look at it in the right way. Yeah. Um, it's not just about removing wrinkles. Wrinkles are a symptom of a driver. Um, Botox isn't going to stop the, 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 the aging process. Sunscreen? Um, sunscreen will slow it down, um, and mm. sunscreen's a very important factor. But skin is a complex organ, and in order to keep it healthy, you need to put on a longevity mindset and take on a longevity medicine approach to looking at the entire organ to make sure that it's functioning properly. Also, topicals don't work. Like retinol? Retinol works. Retinol works. Retinol is like one of the few yeah. compounds that work, um, so I give you that. But, <laughs> I mean, the thing about skin is that it evolved as a barrier organ. Um, mm. It literally evolved to keep everything out. So you put something on your skin and, it, and it's not going to go past the dead skin layers to actually get to where it needs to go to your fibroblast to clear yeah. out, you know, all of, all of the other fun stuff in your skin that, that creates. Uh, so, so what are behavioral changes that can protect that barrier? 
So with, um, with our skin product, we've created a formula that actually um, targets every mechanism of the skin as an organ. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of that is focused around the fibroblast and the function of the fibroblast in the cell, in, in the skin organ. Um, the fibroblast is responsible for hyaluronic acid production, mm. elastin production, collagen production, um, and simply replacing with those compounds, which is what a lot of people do, aren't enough. Mm. So we really look at like the structural level of the skin and enhance that. Um, we also have compounds that help clear out senescent cells. Mm. We have compounds that clear out, clear out free radicals. But we also have compounds that you take, or, and all of this is in one, one formula. We also have uh, compounds that you take orally that actually help prevent sun damage. That's specifically astaxanthin. Um, so astaxanthin is something that forms part of your skin barrier and will actually help protect against sun damage. Interesting. So you have a, you have a product, um, and it basically tackles the 12 hallmarks of aging. Can you quickly run us through what those 12 are? And um, are they all in one formula? Is this like an AG1 situation where everything's just in one, one formula? Uh, great question. Uh, it's not all in one formula because aging is complex. Mm -hmm. um, and anyone that says we have one formula that's going to solve anything, uh, mm -hmm. it's, 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 not, it's not true. Um, so you can get far with one formula, but there's a glass ceiling and involves looking at your lifestyle. So the way our product system works is we've got a master formula, um, and this is like your longevity multivitamin, and we see it as like a base layer that everyone mm. should be on. We have a morning and a night formula. We use chrono timing to target different yeah. mechanisms that happen a day and the night. And then the rest are all longevity boosters. Our first booster is called the fasting tonic, so mm -hmm. it's a powder that you mix with water that helps you intermittent fast. So there's no calories in it? No calories. Okay. Um, and it basically solves every problem that you can have with a fast. It fills up your stomach um, and it makes you feel full so it satisfies hunger. Mm -hmm. um, it has compounds in it that helps prevent muscle atrophy and sarcopenia or muscle degradation is a huge aspect of uh, aging. Mm -hmm. We have electrolytes and other things in it that get replenished that are important for when you fast. So if you're doing intermittent fasting, this is like, you have to take this. Um, it As makes a do aside, easier. but I, I, I have, yeah. yeah. Are, are you, what, what are your hours? As much as I can. So I'm, that's why I needed this, because uh, this fell into the time that I usually will like start eating. Oh, okay. Um, but I was like, I'll, I'll Are you on like through. a 16-8 or a 22-2? I'm not like militant about oh, it. Okay. I, I, you know, I, I finish dinner when I finish and I just try to like have my, and I think everyone should, mm. you know, everyone's different. But yeah, I think uh, you just try to extend as long as you can every day. Mm. Some days you didn't get a good night's sleep. Some days you're cranky or some days you're in the flow at work and you don't even think about food. Go with it. Um, so I yeah. take it day by day. But yeah, intermittent fasting is one of the best things that you can do for your longevity, um, even more so caloric restriction. So if you can mm. eat 10% uh, lower than your, um, than your uh, recommended daily intake, but when you do that, you have to be very careful with nutrients, mm. um, which is by, why Brian Johnson takes such a um, precision approach to his, to his food regimen. Um, so that's one booster. 
Another one that we have is called the glucose blocker. So blood sugar spikes are um, a huge aspect of longevity. Uh, triggering a blood glucose spikes accelerates all different types of aging mechanisms, uh, which is why keeping them stable over a long period of time is very important. So one of our products is glucose blocker. It's a pill that you take anytime that you have a carby meal or a sugary meal, and it just helps manage that. Um, next, we have our advanced sleep repair formula um, mm. that targets sleep optimization. Now sleep, a lot of people know about it. Uh, it is probably the most powerful yeah. performance enhancer known to man. Um, a lot of the body's natural rejuvenating mechanisms happen during the sleep. However, um, and we all know about supplements that target sleep. The issue is, is that a lot of supplements that target sleep are sedatives. Um, when mm. people talk about sleep, they say, I have a problem falling asleep. So they'll create a formula that says, oh, I'm just gonna knock you out. Um, well, actually, that's not what you need to do in terms of longevity. Having a deep sleep is definitely related to longevity, but there's all of these incredible mechanisms and processes that happen while you sleep that are integral to longevity. So we've formulated a sleep formula that's kind of like a night mask for your sleep mm. um, and helps really enhance those rejuvenating um, mechanisms overnight. Um, and it does help you get a great sleep. You wake up feeling re refreshed. I take it, it's amazing. Um, and then we have our skin formula, which I told you about. Um, and then the last product that we offer is biological age testing. Mm. So with all of this, measurement is key. It's really important. Um, we, we think that um, measurement, we're just on the beginning curve of the different types of measurements that we're gonna be able to offer. But for mm. now, with us, you'll be able to measure your biological age, you'll be able to measure your rate of aging, and you'll also be able to measure the length of your telomeres. Um, telomeres are these things at the end cap of your DNA that sort yeah. of um, fall off with age. They're a way that you could measure aging. So you can't reverse the biological age, but you can slow down the rate, essentially. Well, no, um, you can reverse biological mm -hmm. age. Um, and that's the really interesting thing. The difference between, and I'm glad you used the word biological age because the difference between chronological age and biological age is that biological mm. age is flexible. Now, like if we go back to this, um, to this idea of aging as a patchwork of processes, it's sort of like if you imagine there are 12 different processes all happening at different rates, you know, you can kind of make the argument that your biological age is an average of all of these. Mm. So with certain mechanisms, yes, you can reverse uh, damage. You can reverse acceleration of, of, of uh, degradation. Um, you know, with cellular senescence, which we talked about already, yeah. you can use compounds to clear them out. Also, intermittent fasting helps clear them out. Um, with things like dysbiosis, which is uh, one of the more one of the recently added mechanisms of aging, which is your your uh, your microbiome, mm. um, this can be restored through lifestyle modifications, yeah. not having so much sugar, different types mm. of prebiotic probiotic compounds. So, in a traditional sense, you can't reverse your chronological age. But when we, when we 
deconstruct aging as this patchwork of different mechanisms, yes, you can. Um, and the, the, the more you do this stuff, the more aspects of aging you're able to reverse. Um, and yeah, the better you'll feel, the better you'll look. There's no question. How, how long have you been working on Young for? Uh, about a year and a half, I would say almost two years now. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been quite a journey. And what made you start the company? What made me start the company? So I, uh, entering my mid-30s and having a bit of a crisis, <laughs> <laughs> um, if I'm being completely honest. I was always really into health, mm. and um, I was back in school in my mid-30s mm. uh, at Oxford when everyone else was much younger than me. It was weird to be doing something yeah. at an older age when everyone was younger, and it made me it made me feel uncomfortable about my age in a way that I'd never felt before. Yeah, um, I think in your twenties, everything's always getting better. There's always progress. You're always yeah. a better version of yourself the next day. But then, you know, you hit a plateau, and suddenly, you know, you're not. You, you have a milkshake and suddenly you can feel it. You know, you mm. have a wrinkle and you just know they're going to get worse. And yeah. people start calling you sir. And that's really weird. <laughs> like, you do not want people to call you sir. Yeah. Um, so I, I had this sort of, like, crisis. Um, but weirdly, at the same time, um, I happened to go to an event in Oxford um, hosted by the Oxford Society of Aging and Longevity where I learned about longevity science for the first time. This is four mm. years ago. Um, I thought it was absolutely crazy, um, but it was absolutely incredible. Uh, and I felt like, wow, you know, what a powerful idea, not just on a scientific level, which mm. is incredible, not just about like, wow, where we are in medicine today, but the whole idea to have agency over the aging process the whole idea of being able to look forward and excited about what's to come rather than looking forward and feeling like you're fighting decline. I just became obsessed. So I got more and more involved. I joined the society, um, went to all the talks. I uh, was very lucky for mm. being at Oxford because I had access to some of the most incredible researchers. Yeah. Um, I joined the committee, became more and more involved, uh, and then uh, last year, I got voted in as president. Um, oh, cool. And yeah, I mean, in that time, I also launched Young, but that's kind of how it happened. Um, and you said you went through like a career change. What what sort of things were you doing before? Was it also startups or? Yeah, it was startups. Um, actually, I was working in the contemporary art world. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. So I um, was for ten years. Uh, I was in contemporary art, I was curator, historian, startup founder, and yeah, being in longevity is wildly different, but very similar in, in many ways. Um, similar how? Well, uh, so with contemporary art, contemporary art's complicated, mm. like super complicated. We're talking about really dense philosophical discourse in the shape of an object. Like, if you've ever gone to a museum and read a panel and tried to understand what the hell is going on, um, it's, it's very complex. However, um, 
there is a way of making contemporary art and there's a way of communing contem communicating contemporary mm. art that's able to inspire and excite and to really capture people's imaginations. And yeah. working in the art world for 10 years, it's all I did. Um, it's being able to go in, uh, look at what's happening in contemporary culture, understanding, okay, what's more advanced, what's less advanced, uh, what deserves attention, and mm. then communicating that in a way that can help unlock the, the meaning behind it. And, and I, I see that as a major problem in science and medicine today. You have people that, and you know, I, I don't think anyone in Oxford would be annoyed if I say this, but you know, there's some really brilliant people in labs um, really passionate about what they do. Yeah. And they have no idea how to communicate it. Mm. They have no idea actually how to get it to the public. Yeah. Um, and that's fine. We all we all have different roles, uh, you know, in 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 the world. But yeah, I just found myself saying, okay, we've got something that's incredibly complex, which is longevity, um, incredibly important, which is the opportunity to move the needle on preventative health, which is something that yeah. we've all wanted to do for a very long time. But the gap is being able to translate that and make it accessible to a mass audience, which is what we're trying to do. That's awesome. I've actually never thought about comparing scientists and contemporary artists. Yeah. Well, you know, I always, I always called um, artists conceptual entrepreneurs. Mm. Um, and I think there are many different ways of being conceptually yeah. entrepreneurial in this world, where you're, you're, you know, you're facing the abyss and you're blindfolded and you're poking around in the dark trying to create. Yeah. And we all do it in different ways, some more than others, but I'm fascinated by that process. I love it. I think it's like the closest we get to God, uh, you know, being able to say, I'm going to create something that wasn't there, that is going to push the world forward. So yeah, I think there's lots of similarities between scientists and artists. Um, they're just using a different medium. They're using different tools. They're in a different ecosystem. But it's the same human impulse to create, which is so magical. And what's been challenging for you in building the company? Building the company. <laughs> uh, what's been challenging? Well, you know, I would say it's not my first rodeo. I've built stuff before. Yeah. It's an exhilarating feeling. It's very exciting. Um, probably the challenge is similar to any any startup, which is, you know, you're working with a limited amount of resources mm. and you're trying to punch above your weight. If you don't feel uncomfortable with how little money you have and how little time you have, yeah. you're probably overspending or you're not reaching high enough. Mm. Um, so I'd say that's like the fundamental um, challenge, although it's not, it's not insurmountable in a way. It's exciting and through resource constraints, interesting things happen. And, you know, I, you know we have competitors that are other people in the longevity space um, that have far more funding than, yeah. than we do. And, you know, you can feel the weight of that in their products. Um, yeah. Sometimes when you have a lot of people that you can hire, you have big teams, you end up getting 
output, that sort of low, low common mm. denominator thinking, things that are watered down, things that have had to go through a lot of people to approve, yeah. things that have probably taken a lot of time and lots of pointless meetings to kind of yeah. get through. Whereas I see something cool, I could just do it, um, you know, without having to go through. So, you know, I'd say it's the resource constraints are a challenge because it means that we don't have loads of people doing interesting mm. things for us. Um, but it means we could be nimble and fast. And I think when you look at what we've been able to achieve, even before we've launched, yeah. um, I would say we've been extremely successful. And what's been like the most rewarding moment for you where you're just like, boom, you know, like this goosebumps. Is, this is going to be really geeky. Yeah. Um, our is <laughs> our Instagram engagement levels and our email open rates. Um, so, yeah. So lots of really great things have happened. We have we have small wins all the time, like mm. where manufacturing just works out, or we do sampling for something and it works out, or people reach out to us on Instagram and they say, "Oh my God, this is so exciting! I want to get involved." And and I think. We're lucky because longevity is very exciting and yeah. we're definitely, you know, riding the wave of that. I don't want to pretend that we're not. Um, but when I look at our community and our community figures, which, you know, I try to, as a founder, you're always working with delusion. Mm. Um, and you have to be delusional, otherwise you wouldn't do this. Uh, and at the same time, you need to be able to compartmentalize that delusion and say, right, but are people actually interested? Do they actually want it? How successful actually am I beyond yeah. what my mom is telling me, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. So for me, and maybe this is just the past couple of weeks, I've been looking at our Instagram engagement rate and our email open rates and engagement rates. And like our email, and we've got like a couple of thousand people on our wait list for when we launched. Our email open rates are 70%, which is crazy. Mm. Like. A good email open rate is 20 to 30%. Yeah. Like an amazing email rate is like 50 to 60%, yeah. like 70%. Um, and I'm just, I see something like that and I'm like, okay, like we're onto something. People are really engaged. You know, for me, those are those are some sort of objective signifier of like, right, there's, there's something to do. So, that, mm. so that, that's, that made me really happy. Um, and what do you think is the number one thing you would recommend for someone building a startup in healthcare? All right, well, there's a difference between uh, B2B um, or consumer healthcare. I could mm. probably speak more to consumer healthcare. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all about the customer. Mm -hmm. It's all about being accessible. It's all about can you make something that makes their lives easier rather than yeah. harder? Um, I bring it back to my six pack of abs example. Like, it's very easy to be a clinician in healthcare and say, "Oh, in order to in order to you know be healthy, whether that's mentally or physically, you've got to meditate. You've got to you know eat mm. more broccoli and this." But unless you're unless you're making something that makes it easier for people, they're not they're not going to choose it. So don't don't feed them broccoli, make a burger that's really good for them, yeah. and, and they'll actually eat it, you know? So that's, that's my kind of recommendation. If you, can, if you can sort of, you know, have, have 
think of what, what do you want to change in the individual based on the science um, and based on what's good for them, but can you make it in a way that will be accessible and implementable, actionable, and effective? I think that's the key. Yeah, and doesn't require behavioral change. Well, doesn't require a lot of behavioral change, or yeah. if behavioral change is required, makes it easy for them, like our fasting tonic. Yeah. You know, telling people not to eat is tough. Um, that's what we're telling people to do when we say, all right, intermittent fasting or caloric restriction looks like some of the best things you could do for longevity. Um, but here, mm. here's a product that will like make it effortless. Yeah. So. And then what's the number one thing not to do? And can you give a story or example of something that happened that taught you this? And you can do it across your two startups. I don't know, this is gonna sound so cheesy, but I don't regret anything that I've done. I've learned so much. I've learned so much from all my mistakes. Mm. I know I'm like cringing as I say that, because I know everyone says that. Um, but like, I don't know, people, people tend not to listen to other people until they experience it themselves. I'm a big fan of like, let people try. Yeah, let people try and stumble on their own and, and, yeah. and they'll figure out. It's very hard to like teach people a lesson um, without That's them true. experiencing themselves. So, you know, I would say be, uh, maybe what I've said, like just, okay, how about this? I have an answer. Um, <laughs> you're delusional as a founder and that's great, but know when to check that delusion um, yeah. and, and know how to compartmentalize the delusion away from the reality of where you're at. Mm. Because I've also worked with a lot of founders and sometimes it's hard getting through to them because they're so fixated on their belief. Um, and it's really hard to be able to change their beliefs sometimes. Um, yeah. I think just combining that delusion with humbleness and the ability yeah. to be self-reflexive is very important. So don't be closed-minded. Don't be closed-minded, but you have to be to a certain extent mm. as a founder. Um, you know, that's what makes founders or even artists different. I, I used to work with artists. They, they have a very warped perception of reality. Mm. Artists have removed themselves from society because they say, I have something that I need to tell the world and it's very different and it's very amplified. It's this one mm. segment and artists will put a magnifying glass on that. So of course that type of person is going to be different. Yeah. Um, you know they're not going to like go and be an accountant, um, but you know part of that ability or part of managing yeah. that in insanely warped ability in order to function in this world and be successful, I think is about knowing how to balance that. Sign, I just have one last question for you. What's the one impact you want to leave on the world today with Young? Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't take credit for this because I'd like to leave this impact, but it's not my individual um, uh, purpose. Longevity as a field is incredibly powerful insofar as if we can slow reverse biological age, we can delay chronic disease. And if we can delay chronic disease or avoid it entirely, we are saving decades of suffering in people's lives. We are saving trillions and trillions of dollars in healthcare costs that just get drained. I mean, in the US alone, 
uh, treating chronic uh, diseases costs about $37 trillion a year. Now, if we can use longevity science to delay or eradicate that um, by keeping people biologically healthy, imagine what society could look like. Imagine how we can re reallocate that funding. So what I'd like to see is mass adoption of longevity medicine. I want people to completely reframe their understanding of personal health through the lens of longevity, through this idea of I have a biological age and I need to focus all of my effort on stopping that, slowing that down, or reversing that. Um, so if I can move the needle on that and I can help uh, a mass audience achieve that and implement it in their lives, I will be very happy. So in addition to the Health Creators community, you'll also find everything you need on healthcreators.co. That includes our educational tracks, vendor selection tools, CRO databases, and even which investors you should be talking to. When you log into healthcreators.co, you'll also have direct access to NewRoot for clinical development and a bunch of other resources you need to build better companies in healthcare.